I can't tell you how sick I am of basketball right now. I never thought I'd see the day when Western basketball is in the state it is right now. If I never see another game in my life, that's just fine by me. Dwayne, you can get through college half-assed. Richard, you can get through life half-assed. But I'll guarantee you boys one thing. Sure as hell, I'll guarantee you this. You cannot win half-assed. How do we win this ball game? Let's go! This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from the movie Blue Chips in honor of uh, Coach Bobby Knight, who we lost on Wednesday. Coach Bobby Knight of the Indiana Hoosiers fame. Uh, Kind of a colorful guy. Kind of a colorful guy. You know, uh, he supported Trump because Trump was the Bobby Knight version uh, of a president. And uh, and you know I I looked at at clips to uh, to uh, honor him and to uh, and I couldn't find I couldn't find too many clips of him actually talking that I didn't have to uh, edit a whole bunch of uh, four letter words out of you know the good ones and of course because uh, you know in my eyes those uh, those those few words that. We're not allowed to play on the radio or uh, passion words. They just put passion in every sentence. Um, but I use but I use this one. The one in in Hoosiers, uh, Gene Hackman just doesn't seem to have the same passion as Bobby Knight did. But uh, Nick Nolte and Blue Chips did. I picked out a spot that didn't need to be edited too much because whenever you're talking like Bobby Knight, you talk like Bobby Knight and you can't play it on the radio. That song was, uh, that song was, uh, every day is a winding road. Cheryl Crow, you know, uh, everyone gets high, everyone gets low. These are the days when anything goes. And, uh, and I think about that, you know, I think she wrote that in the early nineties. Imagine if it, imagine, uh, if these are the, those were the days that anything goes, look at what today is. It's just, it's the whole country is, is, uh, <laughs> I'm looking for words I can say. I'm on the bo- I'm on the Bobby Knight mode. Uh, this country is crazy. This world is crazy, and it's happening right under our nose. And it's obvious for all of us to see. Everybody except for the Democrats. Democrats are blind, deaf, and dumb. Uh, they support the wrong things. They make excuses for what's going on. 
I'm going to talk about a lot of that, what's going on today, uh, here and around the world. But before I do, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and the opportunities are uh, getting better as the interest rates get better, we hope this holds. Um, we had some good financial news this week that is not boding well for uh, you know for Biden Bidenomics. You know, showing things are slowing down, and uh, that's good for interest rates. Makes the bond bond prices go up, which makes the interest rates go down. Let's hope it. Let's hope this is the beginning of a long trail of of uh, declining interest rates, um, because we're kind of tired of the the eight percenters. And just like we're tired of six six dollar gasoline, I filled up my tank uh, the other day, and it was down to five twenty five, and I go, wow. Went down from uh, 610 to 525 over the last couple of weeks. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I never thought I'd be happy about paying 525 a gallon for, for gasoline. But, you know, we got another year till the next election, so almost a year to the day. If you're interested in getting involved in any of those fantastic opportunities and you need financing, whether it's refinancing or purchase financing or reverse mortgage financing, call me toll-free, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. And uh, fill in the form. See how much. Give me how much information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If there's any part of the show that you missed, or if you've been in the last four weeks uh, listening on uh, AM eight seventy at the two o'clock hour, and you missed half the show because there was a computer glitch. Um, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. Um, you can also, and thank you for one of the uh, listeners that actually called in and told us that uh, it was playing uh, an old show second half every week for four weeks in a row. And uh, no one apparently, no one, one guy, one guy called in four weeks later. Um, so thank you for alerting us to that because it was a computer glitch. And uh, it's been fixed. Um, but stay on, if you want to hear the podcast, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, or you go to, uh, you can get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can actually uh, subscribe for free, have it download once a week. I record on Friday mornings and it will upload Friday afternoon and download to your device Friday shortly thereafter. And uh, you can listen on your. On your phone or your computer, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, uh, anything that you can listen to uh, podcasts on and listen to it on demand. And uh, and I listen to the podcast just to just to make sure that it uh, it came out good. So uh, if there's podcast issues, I'll know right away. Um, I just didn't hear it out in L.A. the last four Sundays. Um, if you uh, have any comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. And uh, sometimes I comment. Sometimes I just take it on advice and I and I uh, take your uh, constructive criticism. Okay, so let's get to what's going on. As Israel's ground invasion of Gaza advances and attacks dozens of Hamas-controlled targets, Israeli officials are telling citizens to expect a long 
bloody campaign against Hamas that will sadly include both military and casual and civilian casualties. Benjamin Netanyahu has stated that there will be no ceasefire, saying it will be a long war. And of course, everyone's telling telling Biden, "You got to have a ceasefire. You got to have a ceasefire." All the kids, you know, kids don't understand. Kids don't understand. They watch social media. They see the lies of everything that's going on, and and you'll hear some contradiction to the lies about uh, all the social media where the Palestinians are saying that the Israelis are killing kids and all that stuff. We're gonna hear some. We're gonna hear some contradiction to that later in the show. Israeli National Security Advisor told reporters there is no combat without a painful price. As Israel lost 15 of its own infantry soldiers in the early stages of the ground invasion last week and another four this week. The Gaza Health Ministry, which is controlled by Hamas, continues to claim that Israel is killing hundreds of Palestinian civilians. But those numbers are not likely to be verified anytime soon. Plus, large groups of Gaza residents have fled to Egypt this week. Right now, here's how the U.S. is involved in Israel's fight against Hamas. American Special Operations Commandos on the ground in Israel are helping to locate 200-plus hostages seized by Hamas on October 7th. Supposedly, 10 of them are Americans. Assistant Secretary of Defense Christopher P. Mayer said on Tuesday, We're actively helping the Israelis to do a number of things, such as identify hostages, including American hostages. It's really our responsibility to do so. I would think so. I would think so. But you know what? People are people are in other countries. I can tell you that Don and I didn't go to Europe for a lot of years because of what was going on over there. And my wife was hesitant when we went to Europe uh, in August. And happily, it was a much more much more uh, uh, peaceful experience than than we had feared and but we did say hey are we gonna what part of the world are we gonna go to and we specifically tried to stay in the more peaceful areas of the of that part of the world so everybody who goes to israel has to has to know that they're in a hot spot how many troops do we have on the ground there mayor declined to say but other u.s officials say defense department has dispatched several dozen commandos in recent weeks, in addition to small team that was in Israel on October 7th conducting previously scheduled training. It's peculiar they're calling them commandos. You know, they don't they didn't say special operations or they're calling them commandos. But I'm assuming that means Navy SEALs and Army Rangers and Green Berets and and the kind of the elite of all the of all the military. Anonymous officials who spoke to the New York Times and the said the commandos would join specialists from the FBI and State Department to help get those hostages released. So why are we being so secretive when it comes to how many of our troops are in the region? Well, it's because many of those troops are already under threats from terror groups, not just in Israel and Gaza, but the entire Middle East. On Tuesday, Colonel Darren Gobb told Fox's Harith Faulkner that U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria had not been attacked in over 900 days. You know, going back to the Trump administration... But in the last three weeks since Israel-Gaza conflict began, it's become a more of a daily routine for troops to be put on alert for terror attack. So why do we still have troops in the countries? Here's Colonel Gobb with, with Harris Faulkner. Uh, we have a lot of questions we need to answer about our purpose in the Middle East 
and why we really need to be there and exposing our forces to this level of risk given this changing situation. Now, what happens if we pull our forces back now to protect them? Well, most certainly there will be a public relations campaign talking about, how, you know, from Hamas or Hezbollah or other organizations in the Middle East, maybe even nations saying that they drove us away. I see. But I would argue the fact that uh, we, we really never needed to be there in the first place. Syria, we're there. We're not congressionally authorized to even be there. We're not there at the invitation of the Syrian government. Iraq, we're there at the invitation of the Iraqi government. But right now, when our soldiers are at risk in all these small outposts and airfields throughout those two countries, I think it's time we reassess why we're really there and if we're accomplishing what we say we're accomplishing. Wow. Was Colonel Gobby even authorized to go on Fox News to say some of these things? Well, we're not really authorized to be there, and maybe we should maybe we should be assessing whether we're really accomplishing anything that we're trying to accomplish, or uh, you know, what's what's our what is what is our focus here? Um, it would seem like Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, and maybe the National Security uh, Advisor, and maybe the President Biden would be evaluating this thing maybe uh, every week. May certainly every thirty days and say, "Hey, what's our what's our uh, what's our focus here? What's our uh, object of being in these in these countries? And are we really accomplishing our objective?" I would think anybody who owns a company does that with his company pretty regularly. Hey, you know what? Are we accomplishing our objectives? In a Senate Appropriations Committee hearing on Tuesday, FBI Director Christopher Wray also stated the threats that our troops are facing overseas. Thanks to Iran injecting money into every terror group we know about. And he admitted there's an emerging threat of American civilians being attacked on our own soil. In just the past few weeks, multiple foreign terrorist organizations have called for attacks against Americans and the West. Al-Qaeda issued its most specific call to attack the United States in the last five years. ISIS urged its followers to target Jewish communities in the United States. And we've seen an increase in attacks on U.S. military bases overseas carried out by militia groups backed by Iran. The reality is that the terrorism threat has been elevated throughout 2023, but the ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole nother level. We assess that the actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. The likes of which we've never that we haven't seen since ISIS was cutting people's heads off and setting uh, setting people on fire while they're locked in a cage, um, and say this doesn't seem to be any problem for any of the Democrats. They see what's going on; it doesn't seem to be a problem. But what I say is this is all because we they installed a, a, a sprig of broccoli into the White House and uh, brought in a bunch of diverse incompetents. And uh, now the world, and worse, our country is going to pay for this in the form of terrorism, and who knows, who knows, who knows what it's, how it's going to un- unravel, like we saw on uh, 9/11. So, uh, what are we going to do about this? Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin also testified Tuesday using Biden administration's favorite claim: they've been very clear. We've taken a number of steps to make sure that uh, we increase our force protection posture. Uh, we've deployed a number of assets into the region as uh, as well. 
Uh, we've been clear. President's been clear, and I and I have been clear, uh, Vice Chair, that uh, if that if this doesn't stop, then we will respond. And so uh, we remain we, we maintain the uh, the right to respond. We have the capability to do that, and we will respond at a time and place of our choosing. Yeah, apparently what they've been clear about is uh, they will be tough. Eventually, when they get around to it, you know, uh, we have the capability and we will if we want to and, you know, when we want to. Uh, well, I have, I have this to say, as Clint Eastwood and Million Dollar Baby would say. Girly, tough ain't enough. Yeah, girly, tough ain't enough. You're, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to be tough, draw a red line. And then when they step over it, attack. Don't be Obama. Okay, we're gonna, if they do this, if they do this, we're not gonna we're not gonna put up with it. We're, they're gonna they're gonna pay, you know what? Uh, and then they stepped over it. Okay, well we'll just move this thing back a little bit. Apparently we had it too far up, and it wasn't fair for them. Trump said, "Hey, if you kill one American, your your whole country is gonna feel it." And we didn't have any Americans attacked. Apparently that was how a president's supposed to be. The appropriations hearing was called for the purpose of discussing Biden's $105 billion supplemental aid package. You know, the one where Biden gave Ukraine four times the amount of aid he wants to give to Israel. Under new Speaker Mike Johnson, House Republicans drafted their own bill this week that splits up the aid and focuses solely on Israel. And Thursday, that that bill was passed by the House, with even with uh, 12... 12 uh, Jewish Democrats voting for it, including Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz, you know, to show uh, how re- how even some of the repulsive Democrats even even stepped up. Apparently, uh, they love Israel more than they love their political party, um, which is good. The bill, called the Israel Security Supplemental Appropriations Act, would appropriate $14.3 billion for Israel. And Republicans say it would be fully offset by stripping funds from the IRS. From the House, Republicans pre-release on GOP.gov. This emergency supplemental appropriations package strictly deals with providing aid to Israel and ensuring our own military readiness. The funding for this package is offset by recessions from Joe's Inflation Expansion Act of 2022 specifically Section 10301, which appropriated enhanced funding for the IRS. Here's Speaker Mike Johnson explaining the plan to Kaylee McEnany. Look, this is a matter of good versus evil. How is it going to be paid for? My intention and my desire in the first uh, draft of this bill is to take some of the money that has been set aside for the IRS, building and bulking up the IRS right now. They have about $67 billion in that fund, and we'll, we'll try to take the 14.5 necessary for this immediate and urgent need. We'll deal with the rest of that issue later. Do you think that will drive away some Democrats in the Senate even or here in the House? It may, but my intention is to call uh, Leader Schumer over there and have a very... Uh, direct and thoughtful conversation about this. I understand their priority is to bulk up the IRS, uh, but I think if you put this to the American people and they weigh the two needs, I think they're going to say standing with Israel and protecting the innocent uh, over there is in our national interest and is a more immediate need than IRS agents. 
I would agree, but not surprisingly, Chuck Schumer is already attacking the bill before Johnson can even sit down with him. Here's Schumer reading another rant written by one of his millennial staffers. The House GOP bill is woefully inadequate. It makes aid for Israel, who has just faced the worst terrorist attack in its history, contingent on poison pills that reward rich tax cheats. The new speaker knows perfectly well that if you want to help Israel, you can't propose legislation that is full of poison pills. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, Chuck Schumer, a Jew, is uh, is not backing Israel more directly. House Republicans are calling out Schumer for his rhetoric. Here's Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin. It's not a poison pill. It has to be paid for. And for the Democrats who just wasted trillions of dollars on progressive pet projects domestically to say that we can't find 10 to $14 billion from the Inflation Reduction Act is absurd. It's not responsible. And in everything we do, we have to balance the exigencies of the geopolitical moment, i.e. responding to crises where they emerge with our long-term duty to be fiscally responsible and not pass on a mountain of debt to the next generation. I think the speaker is trying to balance those things in good faith right now. We, I guess we can argue about what the specific pay for should be, but the mm-hmm. political move is what the White House did, which is to lump all this together in a package of over $100 billion in hope that on Christmas Eve this year, we're going to pass a 5,000-page bill that nobody reads that includes a supplemental and all these omnibus bills. That's not the way it should work. That's not how you legislate responsibly. That's not actually how you help Israel in the short term. This needs to be targeted, coherent, and needs to be paid for. Yeah, this is the difference between Democrats and Republicans. It's long-term versus short-term. You know, in my book, I talk about being long-term greedy versus short-term greedy. Don't don't squeeze every little every little transaction you do to get the absolute maximum uh, profit out of it because sometimes that means you don't ever get referrals. Do the right thing all the time. Treat everybody treat everybody fair and do lots and lots and lots of transactions. Don't worry about the short term. So everything in the government should be long term. Everything that our our elected officials should do, should be doing is saying, "Hey, what's the what's the best thing for the long term here?" While Israel while Israel's need is a short term need, supporting Israel is a long term long term policy and a long term strategy based on where they're at and uh, where all the danger in the world comes from. So I say, "Hey, you know what? If if everyone would start thinking like this and thinking like this, you know the." Uh, these these kids out these kids out there that are passing around flyers in downtown Riverside, um, promoting socialism, that uh, think it's a great great plan. They might they might think past the end of their nose. Well, hey, you know you don't own anything. Yeah, but everybody makes the same. Everybody does the same thing. And everybody do- no, not everybody does the same thing. People don't uh, people don't have long term thinking, and they make they make short term answers and they get a. Uh, and they get in to bad places, and it's uh, it's it's sad, and it's sad to see where our country's going. And if nobody set, if nobody speaks up, nothing's going to change. The youngsters of this world that are that are getting the loud voices don't know how we got to where we are, and why they're as free to do what they are. And us adults have to speak up and and show them the show them the right way. We need to show them. 
show them uh, with the long term. Hey, you know what? You guys think communism is a, is a is a great new strategy. It's not a great new strategy. It's an old strategy, and it's failed in every part of the world that it's been tried. So uh, anyway, I'm all out of time for this half of the main event. So t- stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and I'll be back with lots, lots more. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. Every day is a winding Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio, uh, but that's what I do uh, when I'm not on the radio is do real estate and financing. Uh, If you're interested in getting uh, any information on refinancing a piece of property you own or purchasing a piece of property that you'd like to own, whether that's in California or in another state, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. 640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo and we'll do the cyber thing. So uh, in the first half, we were talking about the uh, uh, the the advancement of the war in Israel and, uh, and Palestine and the, uh, and the bill supporting them and the idiots in, uh, on the Democrat side that don't have a long-term focus. So uh, and the Republicans that do so, take that into account while you're voting next year. Meanwhile, if if we make it to next year, meanwhile the United States is also at risk of a terror attack, as our own FBI director just admitted, because of the Middle East conflict. Ray won't say this part, but our primary vulnerability is at our southern border. From America First Policy Institute, October 25th, issue brief. How our open border leaves U.S. more vulnerable to terrorism. Hate to say I told you so, but... The present-day war in Israel should be a wake-up call to Americans about how the open southern border has significantly increased our nation's vulnerability to terror attacks. For years, Islamic terrorists have formed alliances with Latin American regimes and drug cartels to further their organized crime. Recent reports suggest that they are exploiting our unsecure border to target Americans more directly. Again, I hate to say I told you so, this isn't new news. Over the past two years, U.S. Customs and Border Protection confirmed that they have apprehended 72,823, quote, special interest aliens, unquote. I had to do those air quotes there. Uh, From mostly Middle Eastern countries at the southern border. 
According to DHS, these special interest aliens potentially pose a national security risk to the United States or its interests and are often employing travel patterns known known or evaluated to possibly have a nexus to terrorism. Wow. Is this news? These numbers include 538 aliens from Syria and 659 aliens from Iran, two key sponsors of terror. It also lists 6,386 aliens from Afghanistan, currently run by the Taliban. Thank you, Joe Biden. 164 from Lebanon, home of Hezbollah. 139 from Yemen, home of the Houthi rebels and Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. 1,613 from Pakistan, which harbors ISIS-K, among others. At least 282 known or suspected terrorists have been apprehended by Border Patrol while crossing into the U.S. illegally since the beginning of the of the Biden administration. Well, only 218 known or suspected terrorists um, have been apprehended. Of course, that means there's probably another 282 that got in. And, of course, when there's uh, been... Uh, 72,823 special interest aliens uh, have been have crossed over. Um, that means there's probably another 72,000 that were known were known or unknown gotaways. And uh, remember, how many did it take to knock down the twin towers and hit the Pentagon and and uh, crash that plane in uh, Pennsylvania? Oh, 19. 19 for 9-11. How many people did it take to shoot up the Inland Regional Center as the San Bernardino County uh, uh, offices were holding their Christmas party? Two. Two people that lived here locally in Redlands. So here's a social media video I came across that asked the same question we're all wondering about. So I just watched a video of 50 Syrian men crossing our southern border. Got a couple questions. So I've never really been all that good at geography. But Syria is nowhere near Mexico, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's in the Middle East. Uh, so somebody's paying these men to fly into Mexico and come across our southern border illegally. If you were to seek refuge in another country because your country is war-torn, political reasons, whatever the case, you would typically bring your wife and children with you, which is not the case. These men are coming in singles. Hmm. What other time would a man leave his wife and children at home, oh yeah, to go fight wars? My question is, when the hell is Joe Biden and his administration going to shut this border down before we see what happened in Israel happen on our soil? Yes, I, I've i been asking that for a couple of years. A couple of years. That video is called Cross 916 Video. Um, so I don't know who the guy is, but maybe he's a Christian and he lives in the 916 area code. So that would be Northern California. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, cross 916, whoever that guy is, I agree with him 100%. In a hearing on Tuesday, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin attempted to get Christopher Ray to admit that the open border is where the problem lies. Would having a secure border, would that make your job easier? Well, I, I will I will let Secretary America speak for border security, but I will tell you that the threats that we have to contend with that are attributed to the border, uh, cartel violence, distribution so, yeah, of fentanyl, et cetera, are time. major The answer town. is yes. Like just about everybody who's a, who's a Democrat, and Christopher Ray was uh, was appointed by Donald Trump, but apparently uh, somebody with uh, liberal liberal uh, leanings suggested it. 
you know, they just can't answer answer a question. They have to they have to divert and and come up and just make excuses. Two Republican senators, John Cornyn and Ted Cruz, both of Texas, went to the border this week to meet with agents. And listen to this one. Cruz spoke on the Senate floor about a move by Biden administration to tie the hands of Border Patrol. And this is the first we're hearing about it. And make sure, listen to this really close. They're frustrated because they risk their lives catching dangerous people and they turn around and their political superiors just let them go. No, one of the things they told us about is the Biden administration just issued new guidance in the past year on pursuit of illegal aliens who are fleeing. And, and as they said, really what it should be called is guidance on non-pursuit in that the Biden administration has prohibited Border Patrol agents from chasing any traffickers who are fleeing. If there's anything about the flight that could endanger human safety, what does that mean? That means, for example, if there are more people in a vehicle than there are seatbelts, the Border Patrol is not allowed to pursue. And they said regularly they'll be coming up on a car filled with illegal immigrants, and the traffickers will tell everyone, sit up so it's obvious there are four people in the back seat or five people in the back seat and only three seat belts. Now, under the Biden administration's rules, they have to discontinue the pursuit and say, go on, keep, keep carrying your fentanyl, keep trafficking people because we're not going to pursue you. They said now routinely, as soon as they see a Border Patrol agent trying to pull them over, they run a stop sign, they run a red light, they violate a traffic law. That, of course, endangers people's safety, but they know under the new guidance, the instant they run a stop sign, the Border Patrol is ordered to say, nope, never mind, we can't pursue you. This is an administration that doesn't want to secure the border. They want this crisis. Those 8 million people, the only thing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Senate Democrats want is 8 million to become 10, to become 12, to become 20 million. This is complete BS. You know what? Again, the Biden administration, they're being tough. But girly tough ain't enough. They're not being tough at all. They're they're just wimping out, letting these people come over. We don't want to endanger their lives. Well, then they should stay in their own country. Back to the America First Policy Institute report. In the past 33 months, more than 6 million illegal aliens have been apprehended at the southern border, with the Biden administration allowing several million of these illegal aliens to be released into the American communities. Well, in the same appropriations hearing this week, Ron Ron Johnson asked DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas about the numbers we just read. And the Secretary of Department of Homeland Security couldn't tell him. Let that sink in. How many people has this administration let in by encountering, processing, dispersing, or that have come in as a known uh, or or unknown Godaway? Approximately. I don't need an exact number. So what do we got? Senator, let me, let me, let me I, say. I need numbers. I, again, don't feel about me. How many people has this administration led into the country? Let, let me say at the outset that uh, our job would be a lot easier if the broken immigration system was no, fixed. No, Mr. Secretary, I want a, a number. How many people have you led into this country? I, I should also How, uh, Okay, let, I'll, I'll give you the number. It's about 6 million. Yeah, and, and I have to ask this. Well, if our broken immigration system, what's a broken immigration system? What is fundamental immigration reform? These key things that Democrats say. What is that? Is that, hey, hey, our, our new uh, uh, Supreme Court justice, can you define what a woman is? Well, I'm not a biologist. 
you know, our our immigration system was sure seemed to sure be working before Biden was installed in the in the White House. When Trump was in there, it seemed to be uh, seemed to be working just fine. And uh, while we're on Trump versus Biden, let's go here. Um, let's hope none of these special interest aliens are are in the brand new caravan that's coming over this week. That's right, a caravan of people from Cuba, El Salvador, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, and Venezuela left southern Mexico on Monday. It started out with 3,500 people on Monday. It grew to 5,000 on Tuesday and 7,000 by Wednesday. An outlet called Real America's Voice found the caravan's organizer, a self-proclaimed human rights defender named Irenio Mujica. He's... He's a confusing figure. We tried getting more info on him than what they're given on TV. We know he holds dual citizenship with the United States and Mexico. He's been leading migrant caravans for about a decade. Mujica says he leads caravans to protect migrants from falling prey to criminal organizations, as well as Mexican immigration officials and police who demand bribes. He knows a lot about what Mexican President Manuel Lopez Obrador is doing and what Central American governments are doing. What are they doing? They're playing the U.S. government to make money off the migrant crisis. The Biden administration has uh, dropped the ball, but a lot of the countries are, are fueling this immigration by by providing, in a way, uh, transporting people, letting people in, and and using them as a as a way to all the all the people that are working with uh, Lopez Obrador to make sure that a lot of this immigration goes straight into the United States. Do you think that is immigration is being weaponized? Definitely. That definitely is being weaponized against the United States, against the Joe Biden administration. And America has has not been paying attention to what's happening. Mexico is being uh, used, usually ganging up with all the countries to make sure that all this immigration goes straight into the United States, and, and that's that's what it is. I mean, I, I went through the Darien, I went to, since Panama, I was out, it was close to 7,000, and all those people went through, and after that, every country has been just providing their rights, charging them 20, 30, or $40, and then just pushing them in, pushing them in, all the way to the Mexican border. Then when you get to the Mexican border, you don't have the mass reportation. All they do is just hold them up, hold them up and weaponize them and let them go. And believe- make sure that they, they Joe Biden, gives them money. If I, as an American citizen, I would say do not give Mexico or any of those countries that are completely responsible with immigration, given zero cents. And the Joe Biden administration has lost the ball. Amazing. Amazing. He also compared the Biden approach to immigration to the approach of Trump. I tell you, I've never seen it worse. And it's not because this this is this is not normal. This is being used by the countries to make sure they get what they want from the United States. And, and Joe Biden has lost. I, I'm, I'm completely stunned. How come, where's the American intelligence? Don't they know that the, all the countries are conspiring against the United States to make sure they have this crisis being made so they can charge for that crisis? Definitely Joe Biden has a lot to learn. I think it, the policies of Joe Biden are, are, are worse than the ones of Trump because uh, Trump at least knew what to say to make sure that he doesn't fuel immigration. He, he didn't lose the ball that they're all the countries. He, 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 the United States has lost the respect of all the countries. Obrador has more power to pull them in and make sure he, he gets what he wants from the United States. Did you hear that last sentence? Oh, uh, the United States has lost the respect of all the other countries. That what you guys wanted when you, uh, when you uh, closed your eyes when the election was... was uh, was stolen 
You know, uh, there's uh, some some uh, place called Bridgeport. I'm not sure what state it's in. I know there's a Bridgeport in Nevada. But I was looking at a little thing on uh, online yesterday about a uh, about a um, uh, a judge that overturned a, an election of a of a local mayor uh, that was stuffed. The the ballot box was stuffed, and their security cameras saw one of his staff. Stuffing the ballot boxes with phony, uh, phone, with phony uh, mail-in ballots, that uh, and the and he and the incumbent only won by 251 votes. You know what? It's time for the, some judges to start watching the movie uh, 2,000 Mules that Dinesh D'Souza put out, and start watching some of the some of the testimony of people that saw fraud going on in 2020, and let's find a way to put the the rightful president and his staff back in the White House and give him another four years in addition to make this right, because I don't know if our country will survive another year of, uh, of, this, of this idiocy. It's just, hey, why are we letting people in? Why are we letting all the, all the bad guys in the world get, get rich on, on oil? Why are we doing this? Why are we forcing people to buy to buy electric cars when uh, when Ford lost four and a half billion dollars last year on electric cars? Why is this happening? And why isn't it? Why don't we have a way to do something about it? We have to wait for the next election, twelve more months, and then three months after that, or two months before after that, till we actually get some change. I don't think we'll survive that long. So in addition to new forward terrorist risks, the anti-Semitic threats on college campuses are getting closer and closer to domestic terrorism, especially in Ivy League and upper-tier universities. At Cornell University, a junior named Patrick Dye has been arrested and charged with felony complaint for social media posts where he threatened a violent rampage against Jewish students. Court papers filed by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Northern District of New York say that Dye's post included threats to stab and slit the throat of any Jewish males that he sees on campus, to rape and throw off a cliff any Jewish females, and to behead any Jewish babies in front of their parents. Wait a minute. These are the anti-Jew people that are saying this? This sounds just like what the social media is saying that Israelis did to Palestine, to the Palestinian people. Really? That I don't I just don't see Jewish people as being violent like that. And here's a guy who's anti Jew who's making these kind of threats, the same thing that we saw happen in Gaza. Well, maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't the uh, maybe it wasn't the Israelis that did it, maybe it was the Hamas. In addition, Dai threatened on a fraternity message board that he would bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot all you pig Jews. He said he would Shoot up 104 West, which is a campus dining hall that serves kosher food and is located next to the Cornell Jewish Center. Dye remains in, in custody. If convicted, he could face up to five years in prison and a fine up to $250,000. Five years? Is that all? Let's put him in there for five years, which means three years with good, if, uh, good behavior, and then we'll let him out so he can actually carry this stuff out. He won't, he won't put it on social media next time because uh, he knows that's how he got caught. The university is scrambling to save face, condemning Dye's actions and stating they will maintain, maintain a heightened police presence on campus. Yeah, that's uh, that works. 
Cornell is hardly the only university with the problem right now, though. Here are Jewish students from NYU, Yale, UC Berkeley, and Columbia University, all saying they feel unsafe on campus with incidents including anti-Semitic chants during rallies, Jewish students being locked in a library by classmates, Israeli hostage posters being ripped down, and anti-Semitic rants by their own professors. There have been multiple anti-Israel rallies at NYU where I've heard students chanting death to Jews. A mob of anti-Israel students trapped Jewish students in the Cooper Union Library. This is not, this is 2023. It is not 1942. And this is New York. It's not Nazi Europe. In order to be safe on campus at UC Berkeley, I need to hide my Jewish identity. Why do you think it's happening, I guess, at Ivy League schools in particular? I think because some of the rhetoric, um, there's some professors that have said statements and felt emboldened to say them and have gone unchecked until now. Yeah, because the last thing we want to do is offend uh, Rashida Tlaib or Elon Omar and their people. We don't want to protect Americans. We don't want to require that people that immigrate to the United States uh, conform to our culture. We want to let them protect their own culture. Meanwhile, the White House won't call this behavior extremist. Does President Biden think the anti-Israel protesters in this country are extremists? What I can say is what we've been very clear about this. When it comes to anti-Semitism, there is no place. Does President Biden look at these anti-Israel protests on college campuses and think it's nice to see that the country's youth are so involved, or does he think the next generation is doomed? Here's the thing. There's no place for hate in America. But I'm no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, there's no place for hate in America. We hear you guys, though, talk about extremists all the time. It is usually about MAGA extremists. So what about these protesters who are making Jewish I've students feel very, unsafe very on college campuses? Are they extremists? I've been very, very clear. We are calling out any form of hate. Any form of hate. Yeah, and who will this White House call extremists? I think you know the answer. Extreme MAGA members of the Republican caucus. These are members who have promoted violent rhetoric. Extreme uh, House Republicans, the MAGA House Republicans. Extreme House Republicans showed yet again that their chaos is marching us toward a reckless and damaging government shutdown. What we have seen from extreme Republicans' actions does not help. I wonder if she thinks protesters who crashed the Appropriations Committee hearing are extremists. Stop supporting the genocide and every punishment of the people of Gaza! Stop funding this brutal massacre that Israel is doing on the people of Gaza! I beg you! Cease fire, Yeah, I added in that little clip from uh, Anchorman just to uh, make fun of these people. They go in and start screaming a bunch of crap they don't know about, and of course, they're not—they're not an insurrection. They're not causing an insurrection because you know they're—they're they're not pushing Donald Trump. They're you know they're disrupting government business, and uh, of course, last week I played the uh, part of uh, of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's. Um, motion to 
to uh, censure Rashida Tlaib for leading the big insurrection. And, of course, that got voted down. I just don't understand. I just don't understand why we don't just put our foot down and say, hey, this is what America is about and this is how we're going to handle it. And if you can't behave like you're for America first, then you can't be in the government. So with all this going on in the White House, uh, the White House should be rolling out a plan to counter anti-Semitism, right? But that's not what they did. Instead, they unveiled a strategy to counter, wait for it, Islamophobia. And they got Vice President Kamala Harris to announce it. For years, Muslims in America and those perceived to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks. I am proud to announce the Biden-Harris administration will develop our nation's first national strategy to counter Islamophobia. This strategy will be a comprehensive and detailed plan to protect Muslims and those perceived to be Muslim from hate, bigotry, and violence, and to address the concern that some government policies may discriminate against Muslims. Some people are saying this was a poorly timed, and I say this is only timed because of what's going on, because we're going to see people. We see people standing up for Israel and the Jews, and they're making a and they're making some noise. And what does the Biden administration want to do? They want to make sure that that none of the terrorist intended people are mad at the Democrats because they need to win an election next year. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, keep your eyes open, keep your brains clicked on, and uh, you know keep your mouths open when you're talking to young people because they're lost. Uh, hey, thanks for listening to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate.